our title for today is In the Waiting. So if you are a note taker, you can go ahead and jot that down. It is in the waiting. I don't know about you guys, but when I was young and we did the 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, I always thought that, man, we just had this great time and I just feel like I'm going to go into a season of waiting. Like, I truly believe that Jesus can absolutely answer prayers immediately. Point blank, I believe that. I've seen people financially, as soon as we said the prayer within 24 hours, bam, they're Prayer answers happen. Or maybe you prayed for someone to get healed. I believe God does that. But I know a lot of times what I pray and fast for usually follows with a season of waiting. And I want to discuss how that can be fun today. I think a lot of times we think it can be unfun. So with that being said, we have to be intentional in waiting. What do you mean by that? So think about it. 21 days just passed. We have been in our quiet time, we have been in the word, we have been praying, we have been worshiping, we have been on point. We have been taking a step forward to seek the face of the Father. We have been taking a step forward to ask Jesus what he wants us to do. We've been taking a step forward to ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? What's next? What's next for me? So I think we have to be intentional now that we might be in the season of waiting, depending on what you guys fasted for. I know one of the things that I fasted for was, for I have a little business that it would uh, double in clients. Now, I, I, if someone wants to knock on my door tomorrow and be like, hey, I have 20 clients, you can absolutely have them. I'll be like, yeah, but then I'm going to have to learn how to process all those. So it's still going to be a season of processing and waiting and figuring it all out. So I just want to talk about that a little bit tonight. So our big idea for today is what you're waiting for shouldn't determine what you're doing. What you're waiting for should not determine what you're doing. What do you mean by that? I want, to, I want you to think about this. Everything that you've been fasting for and praying for, maybe it was this year or the year past or whatever it may be, that shouldn't be determined what you're doing, what you're doing for God, what he's asked you to do. You shouldn't be sitting there going, well, you know, as soon as God does X, Y, Z that I've prayed for, then I'll do what he asked me to do. See, because God's always asking us to do something. We just need to process everything that he has for us. So I believe that the more involved we are, can make this season of waiting fun. I don't think that the season of waiting has to be boring or overwhelming or dreadful or unfun. I don't know about you guys, but like I enjoy fun, not dreadful desires. I don't desire to always be in the background and being suffering and being frustrated and stuff like that. I believe that waiting can be fun. So I want to look at just a few key areas of what that might look like. I want to just challenge you today to take these thoughts and run with them. Walk out of this building differently than you walked in. Now, don't get me wrong. When we walk out of this building, we are going to be physically fed because we are going to eat a great breakfast. I have been fasting lunch, so in about 30 minutes, I'm going to eat lunch for the first time in 21 days, and I cannot wait. It's going to be great. But I just want to, I just want to not just physically feed ourselves. I want to spiritually be challenged and feed us. Amen? So... If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 6, verse 5 through 11. It says, then, it says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Verse 6, he, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So tell everybody to sit down, Jesus said. 
So they sat down on grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. So think about this. If the men brought their wife and one kid, that's 15,000 people. That's 15,000 people. So could you imagine being the disciple? And then Jesus is like, just tell them to sit down. We're going we're gonna to do this. He already knew what he was going to do. He was just testing his disciples in this moment. Then he took the loaves and gave thanks to God, distributing them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. So I want to kind of focus on verse 6 right here. It said, he was testing Philip. I believe testing means that we're involved in the process. Let me say that again. I believe testing means that we're involved in the process. I think a lot of times is we see testing as, man, I just came off of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and now I'm being tested. What did I do wrong? Where did I fail? Did I not fast enough? Did I not pray enough? What, what did I do wrong, God? Well, show me. Help me understand. I think we need to change our perspective because just as the Bible talks about God being a good father, I believe he's a good teacher too. Now, I was homeschooled. My mom was a great teacher. But every time I took a test, my mom didn't sit right beside me and say, okay, now you're going to circle A here because that's the correct answer. She didn't do that. She took a step back and she believed what she instilled in me as a good teacher would allow me to test and test well. See, I want to be part of the process. I don't want to just be sitting. I want to engage. I don't want to disengage. So I think in the season of waiting, we've got to understand that. There's going to be tests and trials, but that doesn't mean that you're not walking in the will of God that what he has for you. So our first point is this. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Are we going to stand by or are we going to trust the process and get involved? Are you going to stand by or are you going to trust the process and get involved? I want to be part of what God's doing here. I know, so everybody's got a calling. Everybody's got something that God's asked you to do. So me and Sam and our youth team, we're, we're part of 2911. We have one mission statement. We are going to awaken a generation. That is what I'm going to do every week, week in and week out. I'm going to awaken a generation. I want young people to understand that God is for them, not against them. He loves them. They are the head and not the tail. I want them to understand that. And when that light bulb goes off, I'm like, yeah. But I also know in my personal life there's things that I want to happen and I might be waiting. So I want to make sure that you guys understand like God's got something for you. Are you going to be involved in the process or are you just going to stand back and let everything happen? I think the more involved we are, the further our span as a church can reach. We got people all over, the, all over the world. Nick just said it a minute ago. We got a missionary in Uganda, Africa and they're probably watching right now. Or they'll be watching tonight or whatever the time zone is. I don't know. I'm not good with that. I, I want to be involved in the process, and I hope you guys do as well. Because I don't know about y'all, y'all can look around the room. Not all this happens with one person. This is multiple people running after one vision to see the glory of God to be honored. I mean, for real, like, I love Pastor Keith and Kelly's heart. They gave us a great vision to run after, and I want to do it with every being that I have. That's why we give merge points to the students. That way they can go home and they can do it themselves. They don't have to wait for every Wednesday. So another way to think about it is like, do y'all have a favorite restaurant? Like, I'm, we're going to talk about food as much as you guys want today. I'm a youth pastor. So we eat pizza, and then we eat pizza, and then we eat pizza. So we're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about something else besides pizza, okay? So uh, our favorite restaurant right now is Sierra's. Um, I love to go there and shout out, uh, just a little plug there. So if anyone's watching, uh, yeah, anyways. Um, their pork chop is fantastic. But what I love about going to Sierra's is... Their, their waiters are like on purpose. 
You know, they are, they are, they are intentional. Because anybody knows a good server is involved in the process of your meal, right? So, like, I, I love to give. Us as believers, the servers shouldn't dread Sunday afternoon. They should look forward to it. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to pick on them, but they told me not to. I'm going to do it anyways. So Forrest Van Zant and Mike Shaw, a couple years ago when I first came to Liberty Church, they invited me to breakfast at a Huddle House. And so one thing that they did was, he said, Mike said, hey, if you come, I'll buy your, I'll buy your breakfast. I said, okay, cool. That's fine. So we were eating there. We're having a good time. And I saw the check come across, and I ain't got to worry about it because Mike said he got me. I'm good. So um, we get ready, and we get going up to pay. And there's like four or five guys at the table, and they pull out their wallets. And I'm talking $5 bill, $10 bill, a bunch of $1 bills. And I just start watching them. And Brother Harry can testify to this. We put them under plates. We put them under cups. We put them in. Y'all remember the things called um, menus? Yeah? Uh, they used to put them in the menus. I mean, I, anywhere that they could shove money, they shoved money. So then we go up, they pay, and we walk out and like, a bunch of weirdos, Mike and Forrest are like, what is this? And we're all there, and they're pointing or whatever. And this waiter comes over, and like the tip was like 60 or 70 bucks. And it's every single week. See, being part of the process is not like something crazy all the time. But I do know that spiritual waiting is like being a good waiter. The more involved we are in the process, the better the outcome is. The better the outcome is. So you're not just a spiritual waiter when someone new comes into Liberty Church. And if this is your first time, welcome. But you're also a servant. You get to be part of the process. That's why whatever God's asking you to do, do it. And we're going to focus on that just in a little bit. But let's just remember, Jesus already knows what he's going to do. Are we going to stand by or are we going to trust the process? So spiritual involvement, it's important. Let's not disengage, let's engage. 21 days of prayer and fasting don't mean to be the only time that you're consistent in your quiet time. Not the only time of year. Like, we got, a, we got a newborn, and he's hanging out right there. And, like, sleep is, like, little to none. So I, all this energy right now is nothing but caffeine. I'm just telling you the truth. Um, but, I, I, you know, so I want to, I, I got to be with the Father as much as I can. Because if I'm with the Father, the better my wife has from me, the better my boys get from me, the better the youth gets from me. And it's all part of the process. So let's make sure that we're involved. So our second area we're going to focus on is personal involvement. Personal involvement. So if you have your Bibles, let's going to go back to uh, Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 through 34. It says, one day when Jacob was cooking stew, Jacob, we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau, they're brothers, okay? Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. I don't know about you guys, but there's been a lot of hunger lately. Um, so... Esau said to Jacob, I'm starving. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his name, Edom, which means red. And I'm glad my nickname don't mean red because I am not an Alabama fan. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, yeah, go dogs, right? Anyways, um, all right. <laughs> Y'all ain't right. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your right as the firstborn son. Look, I am dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright? But Jacob said, first, you must swear your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, therefore selling his right as the, first, as the firstborn brother to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some stew, and then Esau ate the meal. Then he got, he got up and left. He saw contempt for his right as the firstborn. So I believe that personal 
involvement. There we go. I believe personal involvement means that we need people. We need people in our corner. We need people around us. So where is a resource that you can find that? It's called small groups. Like, what did Jesus do a lot in the New Testament? He broke bread, hung out at people's houses, chilled on their couch, ate their potato chips. And they hung out, and they broke bread. And I think that's what we all realize. We need people in our corner. We need that expectation of their small group coming on Tuesday night. Their small group coming on Thursday night. Their small group coming on Friday night. I'm not just going to church. Because guess what, guys? We learn in rows, but we grow in circles. We need to grow in circles. You need people because guess what? If Esau would have had somebody in his corner speaking wisdom to him, because guess what? In this story, he got caught up. He was just so focused on not dying because he was hungry, like a lot of us have the last 21 days, that if he would have had someone that give him some truth, he would have paused and not gave his birth right away. Because I love when Forrest Van Zant preaches, and he talks about this a lot. He said, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did y'all know it was supposed to be the, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? See, we are children of the high king. That means we are heirs to his kingdom. The enemy schemes himself and makes him look like Jacob a lot in our lives. And we sell our right. We give it away for temporary things that are important. Like they are not important at all. Eternally not important. What are you giving your right away to be the heir of the king of kings and the lord of lords? What are you giving it away for? Is it more money? Is it more guns? Is it cooler cars? Is it bigger toys? Is it a better house? Is it a cooler wardrobe? What, what, what is it? Someone needs to be in your circle that gives you wisdom. So we need someone to tell us, hey, stop, think about this. Stop, let's process this. So I remember last week, if anyone was here, Pastor Keith talked about a few guys in the Bible. He talked about Paul. Now, Paul was in the Roman prison. He's been in dungeons. I mean, the dude wrote like a third of the New Testament, like basically in jail. And I think it was crazy. But like one thing that the Romans didn't do, they didn't feed you. And they didn't clothe you when it got cold. But he had a relationship with a guy named Timothy. And I actually went home and found that scripture where he said, hey, it's getting cold. Will you make sure you bring a coat when you come? See, he had somebody in his circle that... Even though he was trapped behind bars where a lot of us feel like, but we've got people on the outside that can come and make a difference in our lives. You need people in your corner. Personal involvement is a big deal when you're in the season of waiting. Don't disengage, engage. And I promise you, you can find anybody that's involved in a small group. You're not too weird and you're not too bizarre. I promise you, the people in the small group that you're going to go to, they need you as much as you need them. So don't worry about, well, you know, I, I'm like this or I'm like that or whatever. I'm telling you, there are people that are going to be around you that you're going to sharpen them. Iron sharpens iron. We need one another. So our second point is this. Personal and healthy relationships are the lifeline to the joy in the season of waiting. Or in the joy of the season of waiting. See, I think a lot of times is we get so frustrated in waiting because we think about testing so much. We never think about the good things. See, in small group... All right, we just came out of worship, right? So everybody was clapping, right? You can't really clap with one hand, but you can clap with two. We need each other. We need each other to inspire us. We need one another to make a difference. We need each other to have those healthy relationships that talk about joy. So a couple of 
Well, today's the 29th, so exactly a month ago today, Sam gave birth to Titus, my second-born son. He's hanging out right there. He's beautiful. He's got beautiful blonde hair and got beautiful blonde blue or beautiful blue eyes. But I remember, you know, she gave birth at home, so our midwives were there, and we're hanging out. And I remember when, once everything kind of settled down, we weighed him, and he weighed like eight pounds, two ounces. He was like 21 inches long. I remember just sitting there after, after the, the craziness of birth kind of settled down. I was like, man, I cannot wait to tell our 2911 team because they're not just part of our team. Yes, we're the youth pastors, but they're some of our best friends. So I just want to read a few of the responses after I had texted them and told them that, hey, Todd's is here and everybody's doing good. So Grace Brown, she's actually graduated out of 2911. She's in college in Highlands in Birmingham, which is two hours away from here. But she comes back when we do big events, talk about a personal relationship two hours away and still wants to come and give back to where she graduated, where she grew, where she sees the importance of giving back. She just simply said, yay! And then Levi Galbraith, he's involved with our junior high guys, and he's sitting over here, and he's involved with our worship. Um, he said, congratulations. And then Owen Darden, who does worship, he plays drums, and he's involved with our junior high guys and worship on Wednesday nights. He just, he said this, and I thought this was really cool, just for him to say. He said, yay, with a bunch of wise exclamation point. And then he said, happy birthday, Titus. Sir, you were the first person to ever tell my, my son happy birthday. How cool is that? Because I have a relationship with him. He automatically has a relationship with Titus. I think that's so cool. Jordan Ellis, she was in our first service. She said, oh my goodness, yay, excited, super excited for y'all. Y'all soak it all up. And I thought that was so neat. And then Levi, you chime back in, which I thought was neat. He just said this. He said, building the kingdom of God in the church and birth. And I was just like, man, that's cool. And then Shelbia, her and her husband, Micah, are youth pastors at our Holly Pond campus. She said, she said this, I just scared Micah with the sound that I made when I read that message. <laughs> so happy for y'all. Praise the Lord for another healthy life. See, it's fun. It's fun to celebrate because we need one another. Like, I want to be excited in the season of waiting. Like, waiting for Titus to get here as a father, there wasn't a lot I could do. But the more involved I was with Samantha, the better the process was for her. And it's fun to talk about that and look back at some of our team members. And then, oh, I skipped one. I forgot. I'm going to go back. Nat Natalie Bryant, she texted and she said, so excited. They were best friends growing up. Just wanted to shameless plug her. I, I, I think a lot of times is we don't ever think about that in the season of waiting. We always go to this element. So two weeks ago, I woke up and me and G were going to come to church. And Pastor Keith was talking about a, a fantastic word. And I woke up and I had some chest pain right over here and uh, my biological grandfather had a heart attack, and I'm freaking out. So I'm like, oh, my Lord, I'm hurting. And I've been hurting since Christmas. Goes on and off, goes on and off. And I said, you know what? I want to figure this out. Titus is here. I want to be here, longevity. I want to see them walk, play sports, graduate, have their first girlfriend, drive a car, and not wreck it in the name of Jesus so my insurance don't go up. All that good stuff as a father gets to experience and, and process through. And I remember I, we decided we were, I'm going to go to the urgent care and uh, we text Pastor Keith and Kelly and let them know what was going on because I was supposed to be here. And I remember we got there and I got my phone and I'm just, I'm just clinging on to anything good. And we're sitting there and I went back and so I'm at the urgent care and the nurse came in and I told her what was going on. And then immediately she went and got the doctor. And when she did that, I knew something was wrong because when you go to urgent care, you at least got to wait an hour when you go back. I don't know why. And so the doctor comes in and she's like, hey, listen, like we don't treat this. I'm encouraging to go right now to the ER. Now, every time I've ever been to the ER, it brings me anxiety and worry because every time I've ever gone in there, I end up going into the hospital and having a major surgery. I've had about three or four in my life. So I'm like, oh my goodness. So I go to the ER 
And I remember I'm sitting there in the waiting room, and it's me and two other guys, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like clinging on to my phone, like just listening to Pastor Keith, and I'm just like, God, give me something. I, I just, I need some joy. I need something. I'm just like, I'm a little overwhelmed in this moment. And I remember what he said. He said, he was talking about the element where he kind of had a, a layover in Atlanta, and then he got put into a hotel, but he chose joy because he got to spend extra time with the Father. And then he said this. He just said this. He said, Step, a, good, a good man's steps are ordered. A good man's steps are ordered. So a healthy personal relationship with other people matter. Because within 60 seconds after I heard that on the live stream, which that's why it's so important, is because my wife texted me and said, Babe, your steps are ordered. So at that moment, I said, God, no matter what happened, what I, no matter what I hear, when I go in the back, I am going to trust you. Did it immediately happen? Absolutely not. Now, I went back, and my nurse was actually Jeff Ellis, which is Jordan's dad. And because me and Sam have a relationship with Jordan, because relationships matter, because she's in our circle, immediately when I saw his face, it brought peace to me. It brought peace when the storm was going. It brought understanding. It was a familiar face that I could trust. You never know who's going to be in your corner and then their circle is a little bit bigger than yours and it's going to impact you in a way that's going to bring you peace, understanding. You're going to trust God and it's going to be a simple reminder that you matter and people need you and you need people. So personal and healthy relationships are important. So our last area I want to focus on, and this is probably my favorite, is church involvement. Church involvement. We all need church involvement. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says this. Just as the body, bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Our final point is this. Our involvement in the church empowers us in the season of waiting. Think about that for a second. Our involvement in the church empowers us in the season of waiting. Because guess what? When you have small groups and you talk about spiritual things and what you're believing for and what you're praying for, when you see those things answered in other people's life, it strengthens your faith. Now look, the enemy's going to come at you and be like, yeah, he's answering their prayers and not yours. That's when you stop and you go back to truth and say, you know what? I know that what I'm waiting for shouldn't determine what I'm doing. And I'm going to celebrate when they have victory because I know they're going to celebrate when I have victory. So we need each other. So for the next few minutes, I just want to highlight a few people in our church that I don't even think maybe some of us know that they do this. So our first person is Miss Sharon. She's, she attends our first service and she does uh, our food pantry. She prepares uh, food boxes. And I remember when me and Sam first became youth pastor, I was about three doors down at our downtown campus where our offices are from, from our uh, secretary, Miss Anita. And there was a good flow of people in and out. And I remember that she came and she knocked on the door and she said, hey, could you carry this box? It's really heavy. This lady has like uh, X amount of kids. We're going to give her a few extra. I'm like, yeah, sure. And in that moment, I remember God told me, he said, if you, if you will meet their physical needs, they'll let you meet their spiritual needs. That's why it's so important. We think that we have to be on stage with a microphone. If you want it, come and get it. I promise you, I will step off the stage. But we think we have to sing worship songs. Talk to Stephen. We think we have to be the youth pastor. We think we have to be the kids pastor. We think, If God's asking you to do it, 
do it because every little thing matters because those people's physical needs were met so someone had the opportunity to meet their spiritual needs because they felt the love of the Father. Our second person is Miss Joy, and she's in the back back there. She cooks every Tuesday night. Actually, she cooks every Tuesday afternoon because she's preparing for everybody that comes to CR. Shout out CR. I have never eaten anything that she's cooked that I did not have a smile on my face and walked away happy. I promise you. <laughs> Told y'all we were talking about food. <laughs> but think about it. Someone has to show up. And what I love about it is that she will serve you, and there's a smile on her face. No matter if there's a black blackout, no matter if there's ice on the, on the roads, no matter if there's a storm, a tornado, or a hurricane. The only reason we're not having CR is because Jesus is coming back. So every week, 52 weeks out of the year, even Christmas Day, she and the CR team are here to serve because they're meeting the needs of people, not just spiritually, but physically. So think about it like this. You need a good excuse to invite someone to church, right? You tell them that you're going to buy their dinner Bring them to church. We'll pay for it. And then you let them come and hang out. And then they're going to get a great word. And they're going to walk out of here different than they walked in. I promise you. Man, I'm rolling on a budget. I, don't, I really can't pour into someone that I'm on. CR's here for your benefit as well. Okay? So make sure that you take advantage of that. Thirdly and not lastly is Mr. Todd Lemons. Yeah, Mr. Todd. I love Mr. Todd. He's in the back. He came up to me a couple weeks. Actually, about a year or so ago. And uh, he said, hey, I just have this thing that God has asked me to do. Uh, what do you think about it? And I said, yeah, let's do this. And it was just simply a small group for guys at a gym. Because this day and age, a lot of guys think they have to be rough and tough. They think they have this exterior where they can't process their emotions. And if you know Brother Todd, he's like the Hulk and the Thor combined. He can move you and your house. You don't need a U-Haul. Okay? He has... Uh, so many records in the state of Alabama with uh, strongman competitions. But what I love about Brother Todd is when he sits down when we do small groups, he gets vulnerable. And for young men to walk up to this guy that's super intimidating and go, huh? And look at them. Like he's, and then he sits down and has a small group with them. He does it once a month. And he gets honest, open, and transparent with them. And he talks about where God's taken him and what he's gone through and what God's doing in his life now. And it inspires them to be honest and open with themselves and process their emotions. If a guy of that stature can do it, so can I. See, we think that we have to do all this stuff on stage. But yet God just asked Brother Todd, hey, let's do one small group a month with young men. I didn't hear that. I'm with them every Wednesday. I don't know about every second Saturday, too. But he heard that. So it was what God asked him to do. So I don't know what he was waiting for in that season, but yet he did what God asked him to do. So let's not, let's, let's not forget our big idea. It's what we're waiting for shouldn't determine what we're doing. And I want to give you this last perspective, and then we're going to go into a time of worship, and our prayer team's going to come up. But I want, I want you to think about this. We're talking about waiting, and we just come off 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I know you're like, man, you need to hurry up because breakfast is calling my name. But I want you to think about this. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose again, and then ascended to the right hand of the Father and then sent us the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, over 2,000 years ago, he's been waiting to come back and get us. He's been waiting at the right hand of the Father, pleading on your behalf. He's been waiting. So every time that you're frustrated, you're overwhelmed, you're done. I'm sick of waiting. I'm going to give up. 
I don't give a right, I don't give a crap no more. I'm gonna give my birthright away. I don't want this spiritual involvement. Just forget the church. I give them everything I have and nothing's returned. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Jesus knows what it's like to wait because guess what? We just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting and I promise you if you will go home and write those things down that you're believing for, next year in 2024 when you look back, you'll go back and go, wow, God did this and God did that and God did this because there's a lot going on and we forget the things that he's done. But yet Jesus is still waiting. The Bible says that he don't even know the time or the day when he gets to come back and get us. And guess what? Even when I'm waiting, I'm going to awaken a generation in 2911. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to have people in my circle that not just love me but correct me. I'm going to be spiritually pushing things. Because I know if Jesus can wait that long, I can continue waiting. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. There's two groups of people I want to talk to today. Maybe you call Liberty Church home. You love this place. You're financially invested. But maybe you need to take a step further and get a little bit more involved. I don't have to tell you what that is because as soon as I started speaking about that, the Holy Spirit immediately prompted that in your spirit. Maybe you never thought about even finding the spirit of joy in the season of waiting. Maybe you've never even considered the element of people being around you would empower you. So I dare you to take that challenge. Take that challenge from me. Don't walk out of this room the same that you walked in. Walk out of here differently. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your best friend, call your mom, call your dad, whatever it may be. Do whatever you got to do to let someone in and say, hey, I'm going to take the challenge and I'm going to do it. 2023 is going to be better than 2024 was. Take the challenge. Accept it. Because I promise you, it's funner to be tested and be in the process than it is to sit on the sideline and not play at all. So the second group of people is, man, I don't even really know Jesus like that. I've never even thought, it's been so long since I've been waiting for anything that's joyful. There's a guy named Jesus Christ and he's got so much joy he wants to offer you. All you've got to do is accept him. All you've got to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and say that he is the Lord and King of your life. So this is what I want. I want everybody to repeat after me for... For those who want to accept Christ. And this is what I want you to do. If you say today is my day. Today is the day that I'm going to put all my trust. I'm going to put all my hope. I'm I'm going to receive the joy that Jesus has for me. I just want you to slip up your hand. There's no pressure. There's no body looking around. There's nobody looking at you. All you got to do is raise your hand. Today is my day. So let's say this together. Say dear Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and saving me. Lord, I surrender everything to you. And I believe that you're the king of my life. Jesus, thank you for taking me into your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If everybody would stand, we're going to go into a time of worship. Our prayer team's going to come up front. And this is what I want to challenge you guys with. Our prayer team's up here not to look cool. They're up here to meet a spiritual need. So it doesn't matter if it's something that was involved in the message or something that's totally in left field that's going on in your personal life. Come up here. They want to pray. They want to agree with you. Because God says wherever two or three together, He is there in the presence. And I don't know. There's more than three of us in this room. 
So let's go into a time of worship. you 